Hey, this is Bruce. I'm the pastor of the Word Church, Kimberley. I'm so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I trust that Jesus will speak to your heart, that you'll be strengthened with faith, and that you'll experience the breakthrough that you're looking for. Enjoy the message. How many of you had the chance yet to listen to last week's message? If you weren't here last week, I really think that was a real good one. Okay, believe every every uh, every time we come together, God has inspired scriptures. Uh, that's uh, Timothy three verse sixteen, one of the one or the twos. I think it's First Timothy that says every scripture is God breathed, or the Amplified says inspired by the Spirit. So often we'll, we'll sit here and the Lord will speak to you directly about your life, but He might just inspire a verse while you're sitting here and listening to the whole sermon. But this one was great. Uh, I approached it from the book of Ecclesiastes where uh, Solomon writes over and over, man, I'm just trying to figure out the purpose of life. And I've come to the conclusion that uh, it's for nothing. (laughs) That's what he says. It's for nothing. Everything is futility, for nothing. You know, at the end of the day, just enjoy your life and enjoy the experience, and, you know, love God, and, you know, but Paul, in the New Testament, he actually almost, well, he does, he opposes, he, he contradicts what Ecclesiastes says. He says, for what reason do I do what I'm doing? Why do I go into these areas where I experience death daily, where people stone me, where I fight with wild beasts? Come on, Where, uh, I, if you don't know what happened in those days when they, st- when they stoned you, they, they stoned you intentionally to kill you, not to throw one stone at you. Like uh, the, they, the last stone that they throw is a big stone that they drop on your head to ensure that you're dead. Paul got stoned, they thought he was dead, they dragged him out of the city and the disciples formed a circle around him, and the Bible says, and he just came back. <laughs> and so, so when he says he dies daily, he wasn't talking about his emotions and the way that he feels. You know, he was actually saying, I literally face persecutions that is where people are trying to kill me. The majority of these letters that you read weren't, weren't written behind the office desk. They were written in prison. <laughs> so why would he do that? And uh, one of the greatest signs, the greatest proofs of the resurrection of Jesus was the disciples' willingness over a period of 40 years that they would just preach the gospel and be prepared to die for it. What kind of crazy person would do that? You know, so I thought that was really, really awesome. Amen. So let's go. Uh, yeah, so go check it out. Maybe it will. Um, I, don't like, I don't like it when we as Christians uh, define our purpose by our careers. You know, when I'm just a, a teacher that's that's my purpose you know it's no 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 if i'm a pastor doesn't mean i found my purpose 
My purpose is, is the race which, which the Lord has called me to run. And what is that? To lay hold of what, what he laid hold of for me. Amen? All right, so today I had, like a, I had an idea for my, my sermon today. And uh, I've got, I don't know how many guys have seen now. I've got that checker, that checked pants. Okay, but it's like, it's not a short pants and it's not a long pants. It's like, it goes, it goes, yeah, right? But I thought, I thought, because I wanted to preach about it. So I thought, yeah, let me wear that, that pants today. And when I, when I tried it on, it was too tight. <laughs> it was too tight. And I was like, okay, what are you saying, your Lord? And uh, obviously, winter has been good so far. And we've been eating a lot. So, uh, so it didn't fit, but I, I still feel like I can say something about that. Um, go to Galatians 5. Or Galatians 6. We'll see how we can, we can put this together. He says in verse 15, he says, For, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that matters is a new creation. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that matters is a new creation. Okay, Because you decided to wear a short, long pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it a short long pants or a long short pants? I don't know which one it is. But I remember, I just want you to get the image, you know, like when, as we grow up, um, you know that you're supposed to wear long pants to church, right? Did you know that? And shoes. <laughs> But I remember going to um, Kumati Port in 2013. I preached the church, preached at a church in an AFM Achieskerk, Afrikaans Achieskerk. I preached in a short pants, like like you did. And I remember using this the scripture: "It is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that counts for anything." And I said, "It's it's neither the the long pants or the short pants." <laughs> That's important. Okay, now you can. Now that we've got that picture, you can. Do we have the picture? Did we get the picture? Good. <laughs> but it's quite interesting about how we approach our faith and how we approach our relationship with the Lord. How many guys discovered grace and how wonderful the message of grace was? You know, it's like when we, when we, uh, the good thing about being brought up in a reserved, in a very controlled, religious bringing up, is that when you experience grace, you, you appreciate it just that much more. You know, it's like, that's, that's the great thing. Um, and then you have 
And then you have the others that just grow like, like the heathen. Most of the rest of us were heathen. <laughs> and we just walk into it, and, and we, we know that we're free from uh, addictions and all kinds of things like that. But Paul is actually speaking to, to people in Galatians, and you know that the Jews were like, hey, we are the, we are the chosen race, you know, because we are, we are the, by the flesh, we are children of Abraham. And the sign, obviously, they would go for the, the circumcision. And Paul gives us a revelation. He says, no, it's not. It's the circumcision in the heart. So you have, you have religion, and then you have the reaction to religion. And to me, that's, that's just as bad as religion. And Paul is trying to write, says, no, you don't get the point. It's not about being circumcised and not circumcised. But I thought we're in grace, so we don't do the circumcision. No, no but yeah, you understand, and we have this all the time. I find this one of the challenges in preaching is to be able to preach in such a way that people get the line to, to walk on, like Johnny Cash was singing about. You know, when I walk the line. Well, there's a line. <laughs> there's a line to walk on. Jesus spoke about the, like this narrow road. But I found, like, for example, you get up one Sunday and you might preach about tithing. Uh, some people got the revelation that, hey, we don't have to tithe. You know, it's like, wow, God will bless me if I don't tithe. Really? Yeah. So we react to that and we just stop giving. And like, okay. Now I'm blessed whether I, whether I give or not, you know, so I don't do it. So then you get, so then you have to actually preach a message. Hey, no, the Bible still speaks about giving. And uh, Abraham tithed before there was any kind of instruction to tithe. We call him the father of faith, and he did that. But then you also have to get up on a Sunday, and you have to preach, oh, you think you're something because you tithe. You got a revelation of tithing, and now you think because you tithe on a Sunday that you're something. Interesting. So you have both, you have this line to walk on, where one is wearing a short pants, and the other one is wearing a long pants. And God is trying to say, no, <laughs> it's about the new man, right? The problem is religion and the reaction to religion is often just, just as wrong. Okay, so let's have a look at this. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh, has discovered regarding this matter? For if Abraham was declared righteous by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Now, keep your finger there and go to James. Hamez. James is just after Hebrews. Okay, before I tell you what scripture, let's just read that. Um, Abraham believed, and it was, okay, just go to verse 2 again. 
Just one, one verse back. If Abraham was declared by righteous, if for if Abraham was declared righteous by the works of the law, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And the next verse says, "For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness." Now, James chapter two, verse twenty-one says, "Was not Abraham our father?" Justified by works. It's like, what? I just thought he was justified by, by his faith. Now it's saying Abraham was justified by works. Well, what, what is this, this contradiction? And often I've found that this is what happens to us in the church. We snap a revelation and we go this way and then you need to read your Bible again because just when you thought that you had it, Boom, here comes another clip in the boss. Abraham was justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. And, and, uh, and James, the whole context of James was speaking about faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And, okay, let's page one back. Let's go to James chapter 1. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Oh, it is still in James chapter 2. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. I'm going back to 1 now, but I just want to finish this. Chapter 2, verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Similar, similarly, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works? Quite interesting, Rahab she was heathen. You know, she wasn't by race a Jew. She was justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So I'll give you a, another analogy that I remember. Uh, Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. So how do we walk? How do we walk? By faith and not by sight. So, so you, there's two legs to walk on. You've got, and James calls it, it's faith and works. You faith and you work. Some of us will just faith, 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 faith. I don't have an extra pants here. I shouldn't try that. But works is also the the other way, right? So God just says, hey, walk, walk by faith, faith and works. It's like if you're in a boat, you don't want to, if you just use one oar, you're going to go in circles. So to get somewhere, you need to use both, okay? And, and Paul was writing about this, it's not circumcision, nor uncircumcision. So the Lord said, Bruce, you've put on weight, <laughs> That's the problem here, hey? You're not working enough. <laughs> you need to work. You need to, uh, you need to do something. Lester Summerall said, faith is a fact, but faith is an act. And uh, people say, 
Um, yeah, I believe I'm a child of God. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. What is the fruit? That's, that's works. That's not works to earn. It's works as a result. So, so when it comes to, let, let me show you some interesting things. Let's go to Genesis. No, what's that book with a G in the New Testament? Galatians. Galatians. We were in Galatians. And he says it's not circumcision nor uncircumcision. But he, he writes to, to, this is the whole context of Galatians is, no, it's not by works. It's by believing. So let's read verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Although you began with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? Have you suffered so many things for nothing? If indeed it was for nothing, does God then give you the Spirit and works miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by you believing what you heard? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accredited credit to him as righteousness, so then understand that those who believe are the sons of Abraham. And Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaim the gospel to Abraham ahead of the time, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. It's beautiful. And, and so he goes on, and he actually begins to write about how he corrected Peter, and, and he was, uh, and also based on, hey, Peter's circumcising people. <laughs> like, why? Are you? That was the context. Yes, yet now let's go to Acts chapter 16. This is just emphasizing my, my point. But Acts 16, verse 1. Um, uh, verse, no, Acts 16, verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him. Like, oh, no, why? Just after he just got the revelation, like, it's not necessary. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's terrible. But the same Paul that was trying to give the revelation that this whole thing, this whole process is not necessary, goes and he does the opposite of what, what he actually says he must do. Okay, so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to like, address a problem that, that we do, that we have in the church, uh, that we have uh, like a flaw in our relationship. Often we think, oh man, it's just by grace. So we put down the, the oars and we just go with the flow. We just drift, you know? It's just as bad as being under the law. Come on, man. It's just as bad as being under the law. And there's gotta be something in you. So what is the healthy approach in our relationship with Jesus? What is the healthy approach? Now, how many of you guys have said this? Lord, what more must I do? 
You know, you're believing for something, trusting for a breakthrough. What, what more must I do? How do I get me there? How do I get that result? What more must I do? I've tithed. I have not tithed. <laughs> I've done this. I've not done that. You know, you're still working indirectly according to a law, according to a system. Okay, so let's go back to last week. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29. Is it that? Was it 10, 28, or was it 11, 28, 29? I can't remember now. He said, come to me, all you are burdened, heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my, yeah, there we go. Next verse. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. It's an interesting picture, because you would almost think that if you're heavy, like the picture is, you know, the, the oxen carry the yoke, okay, normally two at a time, but, you know, there they go. And you come to Jesus, and he takes off the yoke. You think, okay, there I go. What does the scripture say? He gives you another one. He takes the, the, the heavy one off, but he doesn't say, okay, go. Cheers. It's grace now. Be free. Bye. Bye. He gives you a yoke. <laughs> he gives you a yoke, but he says this yoke is easy. He says this burden is... Uh, my load is not hard to carry. You know, you've got to submit to something. That's, that's the issue. You've got to submit to something. What is he saying? You know, and uh, where is he going? And w what is the submission? I mean, that's, that's the point of Christianity and our faith with Jesus, is that I submit to him. I follow him. So many people serve God to see what God can do for them. This is, I'm, treat, it's like the offering, we treat it like the lotto. Throw offering, maybe next week I'll get my harvest. Let's throw it in. You know, that guy had shared a testimony, he sowed 500 rand, and the next week he reaped 5,000, and the other guy got 50,000, so next week it worked for him, it will work for me. And it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? It's because you are, are trying the opposite. You, you're either for or, or against. And you think that the blessing is in between the, is, is those two. And Paul is saying, no, it's not. There's only one thing that counts. So you can, faith can look like believing, but faith can also look like a work. The point is, it's not just, it's not, it's not either, it's faith. It's, are you living in faith? Are you acting in faith? So Jesus says, I want to give you a yoke to carry, to, but you need to submit, and you need to do things my way. I was tempted to sing a song, but I wasn't. <laughs> I'm just resisting the urge. So let's, let's read Hebrews chapter 11. Before we go to Hebrews 11, 
Um, Ephesians 5, he says, he sent the gifts for, for the apostles, the fivefold ministry, for the equipping of the church. He says, so that they will grow up to the standard of, of Christ's perfection. So that's the goal. That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to grow you all to the standard height of Christ's perfection. That means that until we all arrive at the unity of faith. Just imagine what that will look like. Imagine a mature church. Okay, I know we're very immature, all of us, all of us. We're all immature, you know. But, but God's idea is to grow us into maturity. And he, he says it's a unity, the unity of faith, that we are one, one in faith. And he says, so what, we won't be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Then one guy gets a revelation and says, it's this way, let's go this way. And another guy gets a revelation and he goes that way. This is why I believe in church, the church, our coming together. I believe that it is so important for us to, to come together uh, all the other churches, I, I believe it's important for us to come together. These guys that seem to catch some kind of revelation drift away from the church and their whole ministry becomes about what the church does wrong. And think now, because they got it right, uh, they find their security in having a different opinion. So you can say anything and they've got a different opinion. I don't know if you know someone like that, but I thought it's worth throwing it out there. But God is saying, no, I don't want you to go left and right. I don't want you to go this way. Now you get carried away with prophecy and you just go on a prophetic word. Boom, this is what God said. Okay, I'm away, completely away. And we've, we've been there, bumped our heads with, with that. And then he goes and he says, don't despise prophecy. <laughs> okay, are you hearing me? What I'm trying to say is, did you get a prophetic word? Or did you get a pathetic word once? Did, it, did, someone, did someone prophesy over your life? Did someone prophesy over your life and it happened? Or did you go and bump your head so hard that you never want to hear another prophetic word? It's like, it's the action and the reaction that's bad. Why was it bad? Why was it bad? Why didn't things work out? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you were wrong and not, not God. Come on. I think we need, to, we need to get to a point where we can acknowledge we get it wrong. The point of the word is, and a, and a gifting, and the fivefold ministry is to get you to, to see Jesus and to follow him. And to passionately pursue him. That's the point. Are you passionately pursuing Jesus? Are you passionately pursuing his, his presence? I'm serious. All right, Hebrews 11. Let's read it. Now faith. Wow. Wow. Let's, let's preach that quickly. Oh. I'm... I'm Right down. Now faith. Back to, back to last week 
where, uh, where Isaac tells um, Jacob and Esau, yeah, they have that, that fight or that situation. And Isaac tells Jacob, he says, when you, when you grow restless, you will get that yoke off, get his yoke off of your neck. And that's what faith does. I love the word that it says now faith. When I get to a point like I'm done with that, I'm done with the heavy yoke that I've been carrying. I want the, the real yoke, the real yoke. I want to submit to Jesus. I want to submit to his way. He says now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we, we do not see. Wow, I want that. Now faith, verse 6 uh, in the King James. Okay, there it is. Without, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. What did God say to Abraham? I am. You know, he is, he's present. You know, you can't come to a God and still wonder if he exists or not. And it says, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, so in your faith, what is the reward? What is the reward? What is the reward? Okay, what are you seeking for? What do we seek? There's the answer right there. Seek and you will find. Seek him and you'll find him. Jeremiah 29, verse 12. We know 11, but do we know verse 12? Let's quote 11. For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to uh, not harm you. To give you a future. Woo! And an expected end. And then verse 12, he says, Then you will call upon me, and you will pray to me, and I will hear you. Next verse. And you shall seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Wow. Don't you think that's a better promise than just getting the things and just, just going, going to get to see how God can work for me and how things can work out. Um, Abraham comes to, to, to God and he says, I have this issue. I don't have any kids. God, you want to you wanna bless me, but I don't have any kids. But he says, I, what reward can you give me? And God says, I'm your reward. He doesn't just put things on the table. He puts himself there. And that's got to be the, the, the appetite of every believer. Right? It's not circumcision. And it's not uncircumcision. It's like, are you running your race? You know, okay, I'm, I'm hitting the finish line. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we're going to... We're going to page over to Hebrews 12 that you've heard me read a thousand times in this church. 
And then we're going to read John 14. <laughs> okay. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Okay. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Remember, what is the cloud of witnesses? We just read it in, the, in Hebrews 11. It's all those, those they call them the, the faith guys, the faith generals, the generals of faith. The Abrahams, the Davids, the Rahabs, the, all the names. And everybody that you knew in your life that maybe passed away that was following Jesus, doing great things by faith. They say that they are now a great cloud of witnesses. Okay? Have you ever been, okay, you've watched the Olympics. Have you seen that stadium full of people and, and you're running your race? Okay, the guys that are screaming for you, that's the cloud of witnesses. They're cheering you on, go, 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 go. Okay, he says, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings to us so easily. Okay, so just pause there. I know my picture about the long pants and the short pants is maybe a bit silly, okay? And the idea of putting on weight. The problem often is that we, we don't get the, the thing that we would, the results in our Christianity is because we're channeling them wrong. You're trying to channel things through the law. You've tried the law. Now you've tried the opposite. That's not the point of, of it. It's not about doing the opposite and just believing that it's all by grace. The, the, the point of your race is that God wants to, to give you something, give you like an inheritance, give you a reward. But your rewards, our rewards are the wrong things. It's the wrong things if you... I'm just going to be successful and hopefully get a place in heaven. That's a wrong thing. It's a wrong motive. It's a wrong motive to have as a, as a believer. It might be innocent because you don't know better, but the motive that, that God wants to he wants to give himself to you. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to pursue his presence like, like everything, like that's what I need. Jeremiah 29, 12 in the Amplified says you'll, you will seek me as a vital necessity. It's like, I need you. Uh, uh, David cried, I said, in a dry and thirsty land, my soul longs for you. Um, so he says, yeah, you need to strip off weight. Okay? You need to lose some weight. You know, you got a race to run, but you got to lose some weight. You got to, what are the, what's the weight? It's weight and sin. That clings so closely and run with endurance the race set before you. And what is the prize? Number one, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. And I think it's the most beautiful, beautiful example. Um, it's like childlike faith. Yeah, when, when you get taught to run a race, I don't know how many of you had this experience. But if you're five years old, the only way that they know that you're going to run this race 
well is if they get your dad or someone on the other side of the race. Otherwise, the kids run all over the place. And that's what's happening in the church. Nobody's running the race. They're running all over the place because they're not looking at their dad. <laughs> they're not looking at their, what, what the Scripture says, our elder brother who's there at the end of the line saying, come, you know, run your race. And so when we run our race, this 100 scriptures, the Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, let us pay more close attention to the truth that we have heard, lest we drift past. So we can drift, and we drift, and we get swayed by winds of doctrines and cares of this world, but it's, it's got to come back to this, to Jesus, right? Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, okay? And let's finish in John chapter 14. Does anyone have a passion translation for me? Or even on the phone, yeah. Oh, okay, it's fine. Lexi Dunkey. Okay, we have to we have to read. We're gonna start in verse. Let, let me just read this to you in the Passion Translation. So, just don't uh, don't read it in your Bible now. You can just make a note and read it. It says the same thing. I've checked it out. It just says it nicer. Yeah. Fourteen verse twelve it says, "I tell you this timeless truth." The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, and greater than these because I go to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name, and that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it for you. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, well, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be with you, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you, and he will live inside of you. I promise I will never leave you helpless, and I won't abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon I will leave this world, and they will see me no longer. But you will see me, because I will live again, and you will come alive too. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father, and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. Now listen to this. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Okay? Just, just hear that. I mean, that's, that's a word that we, in the New Testament, that we are afraid of. is a word called command. But God, Jesus has commands. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my father 
and I will passionately love him. In return, I will reveal myself to him. Okay, I want you to hear that. I'm reading this again. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my father. Who told you that God doesn't have favorites? It's Anya's revelation. Smith Wigglesworth also said, God has favorites. Why, does it, why would he say something like that? The scripture says he's no respecter of persons. But those who love him, those who seek him, those who run to him, those who, who are passionate about him, or those who realize that he is their reward, there's something about those people. God passionately loves people who passionately love him. <laughs> Come on, does that do something to you? Come on, doesn't that just increase your appetite as a believer? Man, to, to, to fall in love with Jesus and realize the reward that he wants to give is, is himself. He wants to give you himself. All right, I'm finished. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love him. In return, I will reveal myself to him. Amen? Yeah, so you've got to strip off all that unnecessary weight. I think, I think we get it wrong in, in, in our relationship because we complicate it. It's uh, T.L. Osborne, he said, it's so simple you can miss it. And I find myself missing it. Uh, my relationship with Jesus is like I get this revelation and now I'm arguing with people about their revelation. It's like, it's nonsense. Just be full of Jesus. Love him. Be passionate about it. Grow in Jesus. Amen? Okay. Okay, so um, so uh, Sadhusuna Singh said, hunger is the proof of food. Did you know that? Hunger proves that food exists. Thirst proves that water exists. But it's not just the proof of its existence, it's the proof that your hunger can be filled. God is not going to give you a hunger that can't be filled. And today, if you hear the word that says, Jesus is my reward, that's hunger. And so you need to pursue the hunger and know that it will be filled. Amen? Amen. So let's pray together and we can close. Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you. Thank you for truth that liberates and sets us free. Father, forgive us where we, like children, run off of our lanes, correcting people, correcting things, and we're out of, we're out of line. Help us get our attention on you and help us obey your commands. Help us submit to the yoke, um, submit to you, and carry that, that load that is easy to carry, that is not heavy to carry. And Father, that we will channel all of our, 
our duties, our careers, the things that we that you've given us that our hands have found to do, and we'll channel it through our purpose of knowing you. Yeah, thank you, Father, that you're impressed with people's hearts. You're impressed with generosity. You're impressed with people that love you, and that you will not abandon. We will not abandon them. I pray for people in, the, in this uh, church today and those also just watching that maybe they feel they don't, they don't have that hunger, and maybe they're just ambitious in, in, in what they do. Father, I pray that you'll just reveal yourself to them, that you'll touch their hearts, that you will curb an, an appetite, um, kindle an appetite in them that will, that will begin to follow you relentlessly. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I trust that message blessed you. Please feel free to contact us for any prayer requests or feedback. We would love to connect with you. You can follow the Word Church Kimberly on any social media platform and become a part of our online community. Be blessed.